Hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Rock, Rock, Rock and Roll podcast. Check out this record. My name is Frank, and with me is my good buddy, Mark. hey Franco, and hello, listener. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music Podcasts, and you can see these mugs on YouTube. But when does this wonderfully charming little podcast get released uh, so you can hear it sizzle as it comes off the presses? Great question. Thanks for asking, Frank. Fortunately for you, a new episode drips and drops right to your ear holes every Friday morning for your listening. And as Frank mentioned, viewing pleasure. Absolutely. So if you're hearing us for the first time, then you're probably not annoyed with us in one of our past reviews. So welcome, everybody. Welcome. Give us time. Yes. We review records track by track. Uh, We have a lot of musical discussions. We do spotlight series, which might even include some mysteries that have happened um yeah we've only scratched the surface mark and we're just getting warm i'm always warm frank Uh, (laughs) but be sure to check us out uh our verse series uh where we'll pit two bands or two albums or two songs against each other and then uh, frank and i will duke it out over uh the winner to see who gets complete and total stereo domination excellent thank you i went for i went for depth yeah. Oh, and yeah. I felt it. I felt it. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Be sure to check us out on Instagram and our Facebook group. Hopefully these episodes will leave you wanting more of our musical goodness. And that guy is random nonsense right there. <laughs> <laughs> but if you have a record that you want us to check out, uh, drop us a comment wherever you find us. The YouTube videos, everyone's been really active on there. So thank you guys for making some suggestions. We will talk about that for sure. While you're at it, subscribe, give us a review and a rating and all that good stuff. So I'm going to say this, Mark Jawbox, a band that that we've probably skimmed over quite a few times while uh, deep diving into things. And I don't know about you, uh, I sure as hell confused them with Jawbreaker. You know, if, if I did do that, I don't have any memory of confusing them for Jawbreaker. <laughs> um, I don't know what it is about Jawbreaker. I'm just not interested. Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe it's, it's another thing. I, it's like this where I was just like, oh, whatever. I, I've heard that name a bajillion times, but clearly it hasn't jumped out at me. Right. And I don't know if I did that with Jawbox or not or confuse them for Jawbreaker. If I did, I don't I have no memory. Of I think it. the jaw thing got my little simple mind confused. I think that's what it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but, you know, with that said, uh, I feel like this was a band uh, I was aware of, but hadn't for whatever reason taken the time to, to do that dive like we talked about. And uh, man, was I missing out. These dudes and Dudette uh, totally rock. Yeah. Yeah. So let's do a quick history um, about, history. about the band. History mm-hmm. time. So we have singer Jay Robbins uh, was in actually one of the longest lived of the original DC punk bands called Governmental mm-hmm. Issue. I'm going to be honest, another band I don't know really much about. Uh, after the band called it quits, he formed Jawbox with bassist Kim Coletta and Adam Wade. Uh, so the trio, they recorded a demo cassette, an eventual four-song EP called Jawbox, an eventual first record, Grip, that's G-R-I-P-P-E, both, both released on Mark Discord Records. We all know oh, them, nice. right? Nice, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So shortly after, they recruited Bill Barbeau, and he joined mm-hmm. the band as second guitarist and second singer. Uh, the band would release their second album, Novelty, in 1992. Mm-hmm. Drummer Adam Wade eventually left the band, and their friend... Zach Barocas 
uh, was called upon to play drums. And it said that uh, Barocas had a very unique drumming style that became the band's signature live and studio sound, which is pretty cool. Uh, mm-hmm. The band now started the games, gained uh, some notoriety in the, in the music community for becoming for becoming one of only two bands actually to move from the legendary Discord label to a major label. Uh, yeah. Uh, they signed to Atlantic and released this album we're going to be talking about for your own special sweetheart in 1994, produced by Ted Nicely, who's also n- known for his work in Fugazi. So there's a, a definite tie here. Um, Mark, you know, like many things that are under the radar, this was not a commercial success, but received well by those critics out there. So let's... Talk about first impressions, Mark. Go right ahead. Yeah, I, I wasn't expecting uh, such a full sound out of a post-hardcore kind of band. And while these guys can can do the minimal uh, post-hardcore sound uh, that a lot of bands from DC were known for, they can really open it up with the tone and just have a full and rich sound that really moves you um, at louder volumes. You can really just get into this. Um, in a way that doesn't sound tinny or fake. It sounds really full and rich. Um, I, I really dig it. They reminded me a bit of uh, Quicksand stylistically, um, but I felt they were a little bit brighter in tone and um, and they were able to do slower tracks in a way that that Quicksand really, I don't think, uh, could get. But uh, that, that's a whole other conversation. We're not comparing the two. This isn't a versus. Um, it was just interesting because I needed a reference point and uh, you and I had talked so much about Fugazi. Right. And I was really hearing a lot more quicksand than I was Fugazi. So I, so sure. for me, I, I needed to find a way to balance it as we started talking about the record. Otherwise I was getting, I was getting kind of lost in it. But um, so that's what I thought, you know, yeah. um, I really, I love the big heavy grooves. I love the rich tone. I love that they can strip down and sound really elemental in that like old school kind of garage post hardcore sound. Um but but just also really rich and, and full. Um, yeah. Uh, what, what about you, Frank? What were your first No, that's a great explanation, too. And, and I'm glad you brought up quicksand. I, I definitely see a correlation there. And I'm not. Listen, I'm going to forewarn everyone. I'm going to mention Fugazi a couple of times. The only reason is just because in my quest to find bands that sounded like them sonically, this name would pop up. Right. So it's mm-hmm. just an association thing. I hope people forgive me as I keep mentioning Fugazi. Uh, they'll uh, understand. Yeah. And, and if you don't way. understand. Go listen to the two episodes we did on Fugazi that put Frank and I in therapy for a little bit. It's um, it's worth hearing us have mental breakdowns. If yeah. Nothing else. It's in the archives, or you know, just wherever you find podcasts. I'm still looking for a therapist that will talk to me about this. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so let me get this straight. Uh, you and your fat friend have been listening to records together, and um, and now you're sad, huh? And it yeah. led you into therapy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, let's start with your credit card information. <laughs> I'm sure that's go that will go there. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then what? And then what will happen is I'll link on to this person so much, and then ask if they could see the rest of the family, and then that's when they drop off from not talking to me anymore. So that's what right. happens. Right. <laughs> All right. So you know, listen, I I think Jawbox here had if, again the Fugazi stuff aside, but there was a focus on harmonies here, uh, mm-hmm. and I think if Fugazi said if they did that a little bit, you would have some elements of Jawbox. And and I dug what I heard on the first spin of this record. It, it's a very mature sound, which I've always liked. And uh, even though there are 90s elements incorporated in here, the overall sound to me sounded very good. Uh, the musicality of the, this record is insanely tight with a high focus on non-traditional timing structures, which I like. 
Uh, so I was amped to see uh, what I would pick up with each subsequent listen. Um, so Mark, with that said, do, do you want to let's start getting into that track by track? And will you do the honors, my man? I would be pleased to do the honors, Frank. I'd be, I'd be so pleased and, and honored. And uh, anyways, uh, you guys will forgive us with these, uh, these track names because they get a little ridiculous here. Track one, FF equals six, six. Um, I love, love this as an opening track. We get uh, some dialogue over what sounds like guitars revving up like their engines uh, before a chunky little two-step before hardcore two-steps were even a thing. Um, but this number comes in just, just banging and it's banging hard. I absolutely love it. Um, uh, of course, uh, we have Robinson's, Robins, excuse me, voice uh, comes across uh, with the band backing harmonies to, and it really, uh, excuse me, we get his coarse voice. Boy, I can't read for anything tonight, Frank. Uh, <laughs> it's okay, man. We, we get this really coarse voice out of Robbins, and then the band comes up behind him with the uh, with the harmonies, and it really does this cool job of balancing in a way that um, you hadn't heard before. And it's very not not to keep harping on this, very unfugazi in the way that the two singing styles are balancing. Whereas in Fugazi, they each did one thing. These are clearly meant to be complementary. And it, it works even though they don't appear on the head to be complimentary. Um, I just think it's a really amazingly crafted and uh, just a great aggressive banger of a tune. Yeah, it's a good way to, that, that you put that too. And and the uh, intro that we're hearing is an excerpt um, from the poem Seafarer by William Carlos Williams. Oh, of uh, course. He, of course, he was a poet. Uh, so with that said, because I was thinking the 6-6, six, six, I was like, oh, is there an extra six that's supposed to be there for like some 666 stuff? But anyway, Satan. But um, I'm I'm getting a nautical vibe here, or something mm -hmm. to do with the sea and stuff like that. And you know, musically, it's like a drill. And Robin's voice, I felt for this track, gave us that kind of upfront Mackay feel. Um, mm -hmm. I'll be corrected on my previous one when I said McKay, but Mackay feel. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and listen, this being a major label uh, in the '90s, but right off the bat, we see the band is not playing around with regards to being aggressive. So. Um, Cool track, cool track. Next is Savory. Uh, this is the single from the album. Um, and it's the one that the band tried to push uh, for radio play. It was a frequent flyer on Mark's favorite show, 120 Minutes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, Robbins would say that this was about a dysfunctional relationship he had at the time. And the one hand is washing the other is basically the omission that both were guilty parties and, and cause of the eventual mm. demise. Um, it may be one of the more 90s sounding tunes on the record, uh, 90s sounding tunes on the record, but overall, it's a great song and I think a great choice for a single, Mark. Yeah, I, what I love about this track is that it's all about tone, right? From from the bass to the guitars to the way Robbins sings, Robbins, holy crap, sings this number. Uh, the drums are here to drive the song along and add some some counterpoints to some slower guitar parts. But again, tone, tone, tone. This is that richness, richness, excuse me, I was talking about, yeah. they come together to build something bigger than any one instrument can be on their own uh, and create a, a, a swelling feeling of, of unease in, in the listener. I, I love it. I absolutely yeah. love when they can move you sonically like that. And what I, I kind of agree with what Frank said, where he went with what he thinks the song is about. And they do a great job of that unease of a relationship kind of boiling down. I, re I really think it's cool. Yeah, totally. So, um, Track three, breathe. Is it breathe or breath? Mm, I've been taking it as breathe, but I think it's breathe. Yeah, 
my dyslexia is terrible. Anyways, um, <laughs> man, th- this Frank, this would have been my choice for a single. Um, the song is cool as fuck. Again, the tone here is unreal, thick and churning, while the drums and vocals crash aggressively into your ear holes. Um, I like saying ear holes. I love the way it keeps pushing and pushing, and the whole track leaves you needing a breath. Yeah, I think it could yeah. be my favorite track on the record. Uh, guitarist uh, Bill Barbeau actually sings the lead here. Um, and I, I love the song's energy. I love the structure. Uh, it, it's cool that they're not giving us the same tempo already. Um, three tracks in, they're mixing it up with really uh, a, a song like this that has a lot of variety. Um, fantastic track. Seriously, everyone go listen to this song. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, Next, we have track four, The uh, Motorist, uh, previously released actually as a Discord single and then re-recorded for this album. Um, I'm sensing some disorientation after a, a car crash. Uh, I, I love the bass playing here as it's such a steady, audible sound in something that's of a chaotic event in nature. Uh, I really like the lyrics, so turn your back, just drive on, because uh, nothing is better than getting out fast. Uh, great use of imagery in this song. Uh, it's a, I, I like this song. What about you, Mark? I'm really into this like sparse guitar and vocal opening before the drums and bass come in just and, and just totally groove and like it kills it. It's just this awesome intro. Um, I think this is a, less about a, a, the car and more about the, the wreckage mm. uh, and how we deal with it, right? L- more, sure. Maybe less about a literal car. Um, you know, the, I love the line, what would you risk to rescue me? And remember, you told me you were you will go where you're meant to be. Great lines, um, for sure. You know, like really interesting idea, right? We're we're talking about a car crash or or a wreck of some sort, right? Um, and that idea that you were meant to be there, right? That if you were supposed to go where you were, if you were meant to go where you were trying to go, you would have gotten there. But here we are. It's really interesting, right? Because are we talking about a car crash, Frank? Or are we talking about like, right. Are we talking about what we do to ourselves? So, yeah. It could be applicable in so many different facets. Absolutely. Yeah. A really cool track. It definitely, this, uh, I, if you can't tell by now, uh, Frank and I want you to listen to this fucking record. <laughs> Feel free to pause it. Go check out the record. Come back. Cause we really dug this record. Um, track five, for those of you still playing along, uh, LS forward slash MFT. I'll let Frank tell you what that means. I really dig this intro. Every song, I feel like I'm saying that. We get these three hard whacks on a snare drum and the guitar comes in with this palm muting hard, the drums pounding out the 16th note. Um, you know, you get the, the two singers kind of building the swirl almost of confusion around the lyrics by taking different parts at the same time. Um, I, I fucking really like this song, man. Um, then we get this like swaying mid-tempo groove uh, the palm muted and the 16 notes return and you just like this swirl it, it, this is just such a cool sound um, and they're really being a little bit more artistic you know last week we talked about how uh, what's cool about everything sucks is that they kind of didn't do the artsy stuff every once in a while right yeah this, this song is that like Frank talked about these kind of off tempos these off rhythms um, and making it work the overlapping singing to, to leave you feeling uncomfortable even though you can't help but kind of get into the groove of it, you're moving with it, even though it's it's very disorienting. I, I absolutely love this song. Yeah, yeah. So the LSMFT, um, it's not M, 
MFC Destroyers. Remember that band, Mark? I do remember that band. <laughs> Nobody else does. <laughs> so so uh, the LS is Lucky Stripe. Uh, mean, and the MFT is Means Fine Tobacco. So it's an advertising slogan for the Lucky Stripe SIGs back in the 60s. Um, to me, that whole, like, to, I, I think what's going on here is you're making the content appealing when it's not really supposed to be that way. You know, that kind of that whole... Mm-hmm. Uh, dirt, dirty tactics that was probably going on with, with stuff like that back in the day. Um, but yeah, another another really cool sound that disorients you and uh, it's, a, it's a really cool song. <laughs> really cool song. And speaking of cool, the six track is Cooling Card. Um, it's the second single and I could have totally have heard this on the radio uh, in 1994 or un radio in 1994. Uh, it's not long. It clocks under three minutes so it doesn't drag at all. And uh, I, I could see during that time the need for wanting this as a single because it's a very catchy song. What, what about you, Mark, with Cooling Card? It's got a great little chorus and, and hooks you in for sure. I really dig the use of uh, the toms uh, in the drums uh, over the verse to add a little bit more depth and tone to the song. Uh, I think a lot of lesser bands would have just kind of played it straight through on the hi-hat and snare. But adding those little extra tom hits and those little, not that it's going to, throw off your rhythm because they're, they're perfectly in time but it changes up what you know to be a standard drum beat and adds a little depth to it adds a little a uh, little bit more fullness and richness to it and I think it's a really cool um, just way to kind of play with the listener a little bit um, you know with that said I think it's a, a fun track it, it's a little short compared to the rest of the album but uh, you know I really think that the, this is a great just uh great song and i just want to point out that spot because this drummer is not going to get much more. <laughs> um, yeah, quick, quick quick question as you're the drummer here mm-hmm. uh, th- this guy's good i take it right yeah and you know he's got like kind of a cool unique kind of off rhythm style uh i'm sure he can do you know it, there's a lot of on rhythm stuff right he's just changing it up so that we're we're experiencing the rhythms we know in a different way. And that's what appears to be disorienting about it, right? By adding those extra few hits, he's really just challenging you to follow what's otherwise a pretty straightforward song. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Cool. Cool. Track seven is green glass. Mm. I love the big kind of nineties alt opening sound here. I know the band says most of the album was done before they signed with a major label, uh, or, or written at the very least, uh, but you can't help but feel like this has a lot of influence of what's what was floating around the mainstream at the time that they got signed. That said, I really dig this track, and again, uh, surprised it wasn't a single. The song's really cool. Perhaps it uh, sounded a bit too close to some of their peers at the time. Yeah, it could be, and, and to me, this has that that post-hardcore grunge type feel to it. Uh, you know, I think in the middle eight, personally, if I had to give critique which there's really not much to critique on this album as people could tell uh maybe something you know like a breakdown in the middle uh the middle eight but i mean this song definitely serves its purpose and and it's it's pretty pretty cool and now we got cruel swing and this intro riff i'm telling you this is cool man it's dirty it's edgy uh and you get some shredding vocals here uh by robbins i mean just shredding vocals just like that too <laughs> just like that it's done before you know it though with with, mm-hmm. with it being super short i almost wish this song was a, a little longer but um man what you like that riff don't you mark 
I love this big, nasty riff. Vocally, we get an amazing performance as he goes from screaming to borderline. Like there's a moment there where he's kind of crooning a little bit. And then he just, before you know it, he's back to screaming. And I love that he's able to just traverse those two worlds. Um, you know, I, I love when a song can kind of knock the wind out of you and then it just moves on. Short and to the point, I dig it. You know, this kind of fits right into my punk rock ethos, right? It kind of, it has what you want. We're going to do it. We're going to do it really well. We're going to get right the hell out of the way. <laughs> so, there you go, man. With, with that said, number nine is Jackpot Plus. Um, I love that this song kicks off uh, at a full run right out of the gate with a cool range of different parts. Um, we get a really rad bass and drum run uh, before the guitars come screaming back in in the middle. It, it's just super cool. I really dig the way they uh, do these choruses by keeping uh, them uh, minimal lyrically and vocally, but driving the guitars hard to use the guitars for the verses uh, and the choruses. I think it's really cool. It's, it's an interesting way to, again, challenge what people think is supposed to happen in music. We get a verse, we get a chorus, we get a, and, and, that, and that means we're singing over that. That doesn't mean that with this band. They're going to do some singing, they're going to fill it, uh, but at the same time, they're going to let the guitars uh, do a lot of the work for those choruses and verses, and I thought it was really cool. Yeah, absolutely. This is another favorite of mine on the album, but with regards to the music, I like the energy, and you know, you get the topic here of gambling and its uh, futility. Uh, you know, you get the all nerve and no brain. It's really the basis here for when one decides gambling and high stakes is the way to go. So I think it's it's really, really cool. Um, and then you get a track like Chicago Piano, uh, you know, has the mentioning of the promissory right off the bat. And I, in my head, I just kind of linked it as a continuation of Jackpot Plus with regards to dad. And, you know, we were just talking about gambling, right? Um so he's more than ready to give it back, but likely due to all the trouble he's gotten in, right? Uh, that seems to be where I was getting. But what does a Chicago, what does Chicago and a piano have to do with this? Well, I'm not, I'm not sure. Maybe that was something that was hawked. I'm, I, I don't know, Mark. What do, you, what do you think on that? Yeah, perhaps. I mean, uh, the pawn industry has been around for a very long time, and certainly have made. Uh, I'm not going to get into a dissertation <laughs> about pawn shops. Uh, I'm not sure what Chicago or piano mean. Uh, either, but I'm I'm stoked that he doesn't say them 37 times and pretend that that counts as a chorus. See, there we go. And that's what we're yeah. talking about. Go see our Food Fighters episode. You fucking Dave Grohl. Anyways, um, this song really gives you that overwhelming feeling of being trapped by something, right? I think Frank's right. I think it's it's money or debt or or something of that nature. But you know, who knows? He's being a little uh, artsy here with his lyrics. I like breaking these songs down and knowing what they're trying to say. But Jawbox has been tricky as their lyrics aren't nearly as on the nose as many of the other bands that we listen to for this show are anyways um not one of my favorites on the album but by no means a, a bad track by any stretch I, I think it's a cool track i agree with you i think it, it it may be linked to the the previous track and just kind of the uh continuation but stylistically it, it's its own song uh it's definitely really cool um track 11 is called real Real. R-E-E-L, like real big fish. There you uh, go. Lyrically, this might be some of my favorite work on the album, even though I just talked all that shit about his lyrics. Uh, each line, <laughs> thank you, uh, pushes the previous line out of the way uh, to push the listener in a different direction, uh, which is really cool. He's really manipulating the lyrics here um, in terms of what it is you're supposed to think. And the effect it has on the song is, is powerful and gorgeous. Um, another person's self-harm is on the table here. And how we deal with it 
is it ours to deal with? Not our place to say, but an interesting way to, to work through your issues for sure. I, I love the use of the word listen in this song. Right. Um, is he asking us uh, to hear out an explanation or are we listening to uh, a tape uh, on loop? Uh, really clever lyric choice. Musically, it's pretty straightforward, kind of 90s post-hardcore sound. Um, and it works wonderfully with these lyrics. What, what did you think, Frank? Yeah, so I got that same, you know, real on repeating loop type type feel. Um, you know, we have a gruesome act here that was, was it filmed? And is it on the real? Or is that just a metaphor for replaying the scenario over and over? Mm. Uh, you know, we're dealing with wounds inflicted here. And I, and I like the line, or maybe... Um, just to cut you out instead. Uh, I think that's a really impactful line and, and it's mm -hmm. potent, potent for getting across like a subject matter like this. So well, uh, I, cool song. If I may, right? Um, yes. Uh, what is it? Listen, uh, she's going to watch her cut, right? Is it cut you out? Is it? Is she going to cut herself? What, right, right. So what's, what's it going to be? Right. It, it's really cool. cool, right? Playing with those lyrics, making the, making the listener decide what the song is about, whether you want to or not. You kind of have to go. All right, I've I've heard these lyrics out. The fuck is going on? And like, it, it's a really interesting experience to try to try to work through that. Sorry. And, they, and like as you said, which I think is, is spot on, they made it so minimal, right? That that mm -hmm. it, it just it just works. It just works. Yeah. Um, track twelve is. You trow. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy you got to say that one. <laughs> I get the spinning wheels and wasting time theme here with this track. Uh, perhaps the character wanted something more mean meaningful and impactful. Don't we all? Uh, could it be like a factory you know, work? Hence the cardboard dust that's talked about. Uh, the obtainable goal realization while in this funnel is downright frustrating and depressing. And this song showcases that. So that's that's my thoughts on this song. What about you, Mark? You know, uh, I know that this album is from 1994 and this song, uh, but it feels really modern in that um, cardboard dust line and the uh, second rate product in demand um, makes it sound like somebody who's trapped, let's say, in isolation, Frank, oh. with only with only their Amazon account to keep them company. And they're just opening boxes. And that's where all that uh, cardboard dust came from. I don't know. I think your house is haunted, dude. I don't know how to tell you this. Um, <laughs> Anyways, but I love this kind of big brooding sound that we get here with the bass and drums, really tight work out of the rhythm section on this one. Um, there is a, a deception in the vocal delivery here that I think makes it work. I, I really like the way he delivers the lines to this song. It, it's kind of snarky, kind of sassy. Um, but at the same time, you feel like he's he's trying he's really trying to connect with you, even though you kind of feel like he's lying to you at the same time. I don't know. Maybe that's just the, the way I got it. Um, but I, I just think it's a cool ass song, man. Totally. Um, we're we're at the end, Frank. Last track. This is the end. This is <laughs> OK. I'm not doing that. Uh, Whitney Walks track 13. Lucky 13. Uh, this song opens with some uh, single notes being tapped out on a cymbal and suddenly the band takes you right out of their kind of post-hardcore sound and start uh, digging the sonic uh, hole in your, your, your willingly trip into it with these big open bass drum notes uh, and the guitar parts that just feel less uh, like digging and more like sinking into quicksand. It's 
really kind of crazy. I, I'm having a hard time coming up with like how to describe this song so right. it makes sense. Um, because I really got this very like overwhelmed and trapped feeling like like the band was burying me. They opened up this groove and I was just kind of falling into it. It, it was really interesting, but they do a great job of making it feel overwhelming and, and kind of scary at the time. Um, you know, we they do come back with a little bit more of that kind of post-hardcore heaviness that you kind of expected that we got a little earlier in the album, but it stays in this kind of very dark, very bleak uh, place. Um, you know, it's, I wrote like a bunch of stuff that doesn't make sense to me now, so I'm, I'm just trying to make it work. But <laughs> good, um, yeah, sonically, <laughs> uh, I, I like that they kind of changed with this being the last track, right? They really kind of took it down a notch, right? We're not getting, it's not quite so heavy. It's not quite so fast. Um, you kind of feel the weight that this album kind of represented and the, the, the 12 tracks leading to this, you kind of feel that weighing on the, the members of the band and, and kind of using this track to, um, to lower themselves to the ground as it, it kind of crashes to an end. Yeah. In a, in a very cool way. Right. Um, I hope I'm expressing that. Like, I know it sounds like I just talked a bunch of shit about this song, but, uh, but I thought it was really cool. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, to me, this is about a power struggle and, you know, he uses the, the, the Catholic key, which could, you know, be about, of course, religious corruption, or it could just be saying that this is their symbol for, you know, the, this power control or, or whatever the case is. But I, I, think they incorporated everything in musically at the end and and at climax and it was a great way to to end the album mark and uh, i said climax you did <laughs> and, I, and it made me giggle and i know that's why that's why i pointed that out oh man so that was 13 tracks mark draw <laughs> box their third oh. album um tell us your final thoughts here i have to tell you uh i really dig this album in case you hadn't picked that up yet um it's inspired me to check out the rest of their catalog, which I can't recommend enough. Uh, check it out. Uh, as far as this record goes, uh, it has amazing tone and depth. Uh, put on those headphones, turn this bad boy way the fuck up because it, it's a cool record and it's worth really sitting there and taking in. Um, they, they walk this line between kind of lo-fi and post-punk and that 90s alt grunge sound um, that can be really hard to navigate as a band, but, but Jawbox finds a way um, to, to clearly just kind of own that space and own that sound. And, um, you know, it sounds like they're putting a lot into a little bucket, but they, they do it really well and, and really, really nicely. Now, the band, uh, even when pushing in opposite directions, still man manages to find uh, a rich and cohesive sound, making for a dynamic experience for both uh, you and me, Frank. Um, please check out this record. It's a, it's a hard eight and a half out of 10 for me. Um, it's hard to say uh, what I'd add to this, but um, for what not normally a style I really get into, I'm, I'm really craving uh, these dudes and listening to it a lot more. You know, normally when Frank and I finish kind of writing these and getting ready to do these, I start listening to whatever is next. I've consistently been listening to this even afterwards. It's just been really cool. Um, so I, I can't recommend the job box enough. Cool, man. Cool. Yeah. And you know, again, forgive me, and, and I'm not, again, trying to constantly compare them to Fugazi, but to me, this is the version that won't send you into therapy. And by you, I mean me. So that, that's right. That's, that's why I'd be here. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, no negative uh, context at all. But there's 
beauty here uh, and the elements that borrows from traditional hardcore and alternative music. And at the time, they, they really had some great harmonies, which I really enjoyed. Uh, chunky riffs, great percussion, steady bass line, really creates these impressive soundscapes. Uh, you have some simple post-hardcore anthems like FF equals 66, Savory, Cooling Card, uh, among a host of others, which work. Uh, we have that whole selling out Halo attached to them. And, and you know, from my research, that's due to their major label jump. Listen, whatever, uh, doesn't dismiss uh, the, that this is a really, really good album. And I really liked their two previous releases as well. Uh, like Mark, I am been listening to them nonstop. Breathe, Jackpot Plus, two of my favorites on here. Uh, yeah. I give the, the record a solid eight out of 10. So definitely check it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this was released in 94, Mark. And that was a big year, uh, I know, for both of us too. Yeah. So uh, for our top 10, mm-hmm. when we say what our top 10 songs were of the year 1994. Oh, I like that idea. That sounds fun. <laughs> Who would you like to start, start, Mark? Uh, well, I went first last time. Why don't you go first to start? Sure. And I'm taking the approach here, just so everyone knows, of like me being 14 years old at the time and what were my faves then. Uh, and just if, if you guys are keeping track, uh, Bon Jovi's piece of shit song always is definitely not on here. So <laughs> I just, just wanted everybody to know that, please. So the first one I have, no particular order, is Hurt by Nine Inch Nails. Downward Spiral. That was a constant play on my Walkman. It really was. It's a great song. And of course, you know, years later, that cash cover is, is the jam. Uh, but Hurt, Nine Inch Nails, that was that was my first. What about you, Mark? Very cool. I was more of a pretty hate machine oh. guy with Nine Inch Nails, but, but yeah. I think that. Similarly, though, uh, my, uh, my, my number 10 track, whatever kind of order this is in, uh, is the Cranberries singing Zombie, Zombie, Zombie. Anyways, um, I haven't been shy about my love for this band or the song. Uh, it's a total earworm. It's going to just be stuck in your head now. I'm sorry. Uh, it's sad and bleak and catchy as fuck. At the same time, I, I love it. Nice, nice, nice. Thank you. Number two for me is Wild Night by John Mellencamp and Ooh. Michelle DiGiocello. Now, listen, I, I, butch, I butchered her name. But listen, I didn't know at the time when I was 14 that this was a Van Morrison tune. Uh, all mm. I knew is I liked the song uh, and I liked the video. I had a cassette single and I was blaring this out and uh, I still like it. So, yeah, wild night. Nice. Very nice. Um, up next for me, uh, Liar from the Rollin Bands. Um, you know, I heard this way before I heard Black Flag. Uh, whether that's a good thing or not is a question for another time. But um, I haven't seen, I, or excuse me, I hadn't seen anybody approach music um, like this the way that Henry does. And it was probably um, the best way to be introduced to Henry. Um, or at least that's what I'd like to think. I'd like to think he'd want me to know this before I got into the Black Flag stuff because he was so pissed off and angry back then. He wasn't really articulating what he wanted as well. Um, or who knows? Maybe I'm wrong about that. I don't know. Anyways, uh, Liar uh, from the Rollins band. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, number three for me, song I referenced in the previous episode, Supersonic Oasis. Uh, head over to there, check out the playlist I made for Mark in that episode, and we'll see if he likes it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, this was our first song. I think it's great. It was before uh, Wonderwall and all that stuff. So Supersonic Oasis, that was for me. What about for you, Mark? Nice. For me, it's going to be 21st Century Digital Boys. 
uh, from Bad Religion. I don't know how to read, but I got a lot of toys. That's right. That's me. Uh, except I didn't have that many toys or know how to read. Uh, it's, it's off Stranger Than Fiction, which is a, a landmark album for Bad Religion. And I didn't just want to pick, you know, a popular song, but a song that really spoke to me when I heard it the first time. And more than that, this, a song that just captures the band uh, so completely. Um, it's just a really uh, all-encompassing uh, for what the band does. Not just uh, the band's sound, but the ideas and uh, kind of taught me to look deeper into the things we're being told and shown and uh, what the media was handing us. It's just one of those really interesting uh, moments for me musically where I learned to to look deeper. Could be po- possibly their most popular song, wouldn't you say? I, quite it, possibly. Quite possibly. So good. Yeah, it's definitely up. To, I mean, but you know, they got like seventy-five albums because they've been a band for four hundred. I know. So. I know. So good though. So good. Uh, next for me is Better Man, believe it or not, by Pearl Jam. And yes, mm-hmm. I will gladly rip Pearl Jam any day of the week. And I have on you know a couple of the past episodes, mm-hmm. but I do and did like Vitology back in '94. And Better Man was just all over the airwaves. You, I mean, you could almost you couldn't escape it. But uh, yeah, Better Man. I, I will see your better man and raise you REM's What's Your Frequency, Kenneth? There you go. Um, I, look, I really liked Monster uh, when I was younger. And hearing the song, I can, I can see my bunk bed from when I was in high school. And the posters taped to the bottom of the top bunk. Uh, I had the bottom bunk, if that's not obvious. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd lay in bed with this on my CD player and just listen to it over and over and over. REM was one of those amazing bands that I didn't understand why more people didn't like them or why they didn't have more hits. And um, that's when I began to understand, you know, hey, there's there's better thing than what's on the radio. Absolutely. Great track. Mm -hmm. Great track and great album, too, by the way. Thank you. Um, I won't be saying the same thing about that Pearl Jam pick. I know. Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) Next is You'll Know How It Feels by Tom Petty. Uh, Man, I need to get Wildflowers on vinyl and just blast Mm -hmm. that thing throughout the whole Mm -hmm. house. I mean, in 94, so much heavy bass music was going on, but here's Petty just releasing these really great tracks. That's what he does and release these awesome songs. And it penetrated the airwaves in the midst of all this grunge and alternative music. Um, and I love that album. And this song is awesome. Yeah, excellent choice. Excellent choice. Um, for me, we're, we're halfway, man. Number five. Number five. Um, I stay away from Alice yeah. in Chains. Love the video, by the way. Yeah, I was a total sucker for this track. It, it starts with that acoustic intro and just builds wonderfully with the strings complementing the mellower uh, kind of tones of the song. It, it's You know what? I think Alice in Chains might be like the most depressing of the, the grunge era. <laughs> and I think that's why they're my favorite of that genre. Maybe they're my favorite. I think, I don't know. We'll have to get, we'll do like a top grunge list sooner than later because I know you're like itching to get there. Um but yeah, maybe we'll do some Alice in Chance. But uh, yeah, we'll think about it. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know who I'm teasing there. Um, <laughs> Just me. I'm like, oh, really, really. Yeah. <laughs> and our moms, since they're the only listeners. But yes, yes, I don't think my mom listens. <laughs> but <laughs> all right, the next one for me is uh, "Interstate Love Song" uh, by Stone Temple Pilots. I've mm-hmm. mentioned them in previous episodes. "Purple" is such a damn good album. Uh, it expanded their sound uh, sonically. And uh, this was just, again, constant on my Walkman, in my Walkman, whatever you want to call it, in 94, listening to this all the time, Interstate Love Song. Nice, nice. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Buddy Holly from Weezer. Has to be uh, the greatest song in the world when you're 12. 
Um, And to Weezer's credit, that's exactly how old I was when this song came (laughs) out. Uh, It totally ruled. It still rules. Um, I mean, mean, we did basically a whole episode. um, Blue Album versus Pinkerton, yep. Yeah, and I mean, it's just just a great song, a great great record. I mean, the video is amazing. Weezer rules. Yeah. Old Weezer rules. Old Weezer rules, yeah. Uh, next, Evan, um, I, we've talked, you know, off check out this record about this, but Possum Kingdom by the Toadies. Mm-hmm. Uh, my God, this seem, this song seemed like it was just on the radio every two seconds back then. Uh, and we've talked about how people love, like, big cult following of this band, and maybe we need to explore yeah. them more. But this song was, was always on back in the day, and, and I would always listen. Yeah, there you go. Uh, for me, I'm going to go with Nirvana's Lake of Fire. Mm. it's just one of the many highlights off the unplugged album uh, for mm. me uh, i absolutely dig the sound and tone of this one uh and the band nails it uh while kurt puts everything in getting these lines out with such desperation um or excuse me with as much desperation as he can muster and it's it, it perfect it works really well um and i think it's a great if you have to pick one song from that record to represent it i think this really does the job of of, of encompassing what the live unplugged album was about. Cool, man. Great choice. Great choice. Uh, next for me is, uh, I mean, Green Day was exploding in 94, but mm-hmm. Longview, um, you know, it could definitely, you could toss it up between that and Basket Case. Uh, but this was the one that really blew my mind, the video and all. Longview, it, it, it's, it's a fantastic track, still is, aged pretty well. Um, Longview by Green Day. Nice. Uh, my number eight choice is uh, Radio by Rancid. Look, I'm a, an absolute sucker for any song about a radio or a rooftop. Uh, Rancid uh, was so far ahead of me in terms of understanding the impact music would have on my life. And it's never uh, been more poignant than here on radio. Um, from the clash references to the just screaming to have the radio turned up. It's, it's a fucking masterpiece. And I don't I don't care what other people have to say about it. Nice, nice, Thank and the set and the seven inch version is amazing too. By the way, mm-hmm. yes, yes. Uh, next is "Feel the Pain" by Dinosaur Junior. Uh, you know, I remember playing this song a lot and and enjoying it. Um, but you know, it's one of those things where I never dived more into this band. I was fourteen, so you know, I you know, we could maybe excuse the actions, and again, maybe we'll dive more into them eventually. But "Feel the Pain," Dinosaur Junior. That song was everywhere, and I was listening mm-hmm. to it. We need to change the name of this podcast to check out 1994. I um, think so. It's a pivotal year. Yeah, totally. Um, number nine for me, uh, or two, I don't know. It depends on, I, I, I don't know how I'm doing these. Uh, Johnny Cash, Let the Train Whistle Blow from the Ooh. album American Recordings. It has to be, um, excuse me, it has one of my all-time favorite lyrics, which is, uh, tell the gossipers and the liar, I'll see them in the fire. Let the train blow the whistle when I go. Um Beautiful. Johnny Johnny had a way um, had this this way of singing that made you think that this song was everything he's ever needed to say, um, and you really feel it here. It's simple and beautiful, and um, just an absolute masterpiece from one of America's greatest songwriters. Beautiful, yeah, absolutely beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Uh, my last one is self esteem, the offspring. Uh, I mean, you know, you had this and come out and come out and play. Uh, head over to our two episodes on Green Avers Offspring to hear our thoughts on all this. But uh, self esteem, offspring, man, what can I tell you? 94, it was the jam. 
Yeah, another jam from 1994. Uh, you're like, how have they not talked about the Beastie Boys yet? I'm going with Sure Shot. I think nice. most people were expecting Sabotage out of me. Uh, but I love Sure Shot. Uh, the, the drums and flute just bumping out the beat. Plus, it's just it's an amazing way to kick off um, that record. It's just so good. I just absolutely uh, dig that track. I, I think at some point, you and I are going to have to do some Beastie Boy records because... Hands down. I don't know enough um but i i probably should so and, and what's cool on the, mm-hmm. this record ill communication right after short shot you get tough guy which is like a hardcore punk song about bill Lambeer, the basketball player uh and it's so cool how they just been through in like a hardcore punk song and i yeah. I, I always and never apologize for it never tried never had to explain themselves they just did no. it and it worked no totally yeah yeah, yeah we'll, we'll definitely get into them for sure cool man well the whew. Those are some great tracks, Mark. I believe that's Schwo. Is that what that was? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, bud. I like your picks too, except for that Pearl Jam number. It's like I don't Shwo. even know you anymore. <laughs> <Shwo>. <laughs> oh, man. Come on now. It's me, Frankie D, Mark. You know me. <laughs> you know me. <laughs> Listen, I love when you say- don't proofread. Yeah, sorry. Why don't you tell everyone what we're listening to next week? <laughs> Absolutely. We're hopping on a train heading to CBGB's with a gem from 1983. It's the Ramon and their seventh studio album, Subterranean Jungle. Nice. I felt like you're going to also say, who wants to rumble? Oh, oh well, right. Michael Buffer, that was it. Or are you yeah, well, I, was, I was trying yeah. to get there with Jungle, but I guess uh, I, maybe it didn't work. No, it, right. it, it sounded great, by the way. Thank you. I tried Listen, my announcer voice. Fantastic, by the way. <laughs> Listen, I'm amped. Uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Mark is a huge, huge uh, '80s and on Ramones fan. Also, mm-hmm. the, the previous, you know, the, the decade yeah. as well. But this is but, my favorite era for sure. But, yeah. but this is his favorite era. He knows a lot about it, and this is uh, one of his uh, choice picks. And I can't wait to dive into it more. Um, you know, we were talking earlier. End of the century is. Probably my favorite Ramones record, but Mark said that this will take its place. I, I think I really think it will. We'll have to have that conversation later. Maybe we might. Ooh, I don't know if you're going to be capable of doing that. We'll do um, we'll do the official check out this record uh, Ramones album ranking. Oh, for this one to Oof. see. I know it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Yeah, it's going to be um, uh, Ramones Mania. Ramones Mania 2, <laughs> toughest hits. Um, and we won't even, like, we'll, we'll just do the best comps, the, the best Ramones, best of comps. Nice. nice. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. We'll figure it the fuck we'll out. We'll figure out something. But I'm excited, man. I'm amped. And uh, hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Like, subscribe, suggest records. Again, I love the interaction on the YouTube uh, channel. So please keep it up, everyone. Um, be safe out there. Bye-bye.